Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here, coming to you live with Heather Shoemaker on the phone. How are you doing, Heather? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm feeling strong and powerful and just loving life. How are you? Oh, good. Well, you know, power is what we're talking about, so... Um, kids need a lot of that power, and I think sometimes we do have days when we are feeling strong and powerful as adults, but kids often don't because there's these big, tall people telling them what to do and managing their lives and so on. So there's there's times when little people who are craving power really just need a big dose of feeling powerful. So what's that look like? What's a powerful two-year-old or what's a powerful three-year-old look like? Well, there's, it can look like a lot of things. I'll just tell you what happened in our family this week. And, um, so this is a slightly older, powerful kid. But he was on the verge of emotionally crumbling, and I knew that he was feeling like he needed to reassert his, his sense of self and power. And so I was, I was cooking supper, and I pulled out this, eh, watermelon that had been around a little too long. We had eaten three quarters of it and there was this one chunk pretty big chunk that had somehow got pushed to the back of the fridge and it wasn't ready to be eaten anymore so I looked at the watermelon and I looked at him and I said do you have a need to take this watermelon and go outside and smash it (laughs) and his entire body changed because he was feeling kind of downtrodden and it was it was going to be a moment where oh you know the day was going to spiral down and uh-huh. I suggested smashing a watermelon. Boy, did he get excited! He just dashed off, and of course I asked him to smash it into the compost. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the destination oh, yeah. was he just wanted to smash it, and he came back glowing. <laughs> just the rest of the day changed because he'd had this moment where his need for feeling powerful and get some of those excess feelings out had happened and. He reported back every moment of the of the watermelon. Like yeah. like doing play by play. Yeah, then, it was. <laughs> that's, no. So it looked like a lot of different things. What does power look like? It can look like a splatted watermelon in the compost. Now in the spring, um, you'll have have watermelon vines all over the place. Well, yeah, that that might be something else. We'll <laughs> have to invite everybody over to weed. <laughs> and the the power thing is it it's such a big issue in families and early learning programs and I see how do I say this without being oh, I'll just be a jerk some programs seem to have policies and practices some families seem to have policies and practices that almost actively work to disempower children and I know sometimes that's unintentional because of 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 lack of 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 just knowledge about the importance of power and 
I also see it happening by people who, because of the degrees they hold, should absolutely know better. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I think that you're right, that a lot of programs in schools um, and, and face it, families, you know, and adults in just at the home setting are, are scared of power when put in the hands of, of young children. And I think that they're thinking that that means the young child gets to decide everything or that the young child will then boss them around or that there'll be chaos. Mm-hmm. And appropriate power is different than complete power. So the adult still needs to set reasonable limits and help guide kids. But, you know, finding ways for the child to feel powerful can be taking kids on a nature hike and letting them throw mud or, or rocks into the water or stamping in a puddle. Um, it, it's powerful to watch the splashes. It's powerful to throw things. Um, so as long as you give guidelines and if somebody isn't able to do it, well, either they can't do it that day or move them further away from the group so they can't hurt anybody. But still that motion is powerful, and it helps so much to get um, those powerful actions they're so directly linked to the feelings, and it can really help meet that need. All children have this need to feel powerful. Yeah, and, and so that, that little bit of, of structure there is don't smash the brand-new watermelon we just brought home from the farmer's market. Smash okay. this past-its-prime watermelon by the compost pile, not in the living room. And and so just those little, bit, bit of, uh, little bits of structure um, – make it acceptable to us as the adults and 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 make it very a very powerful experience for for the children. I think a big part of uh of helping them have power is to allow them to make choices. And again, developmentally appropriate age appropriate choices, but still still choices. And and, and it can be as simple as the choice of whether they're going to come to circle time or not. That gives a lot of power. Yep. Yep. It's interesting. I was just looking over some of my past um, blog posts to see which ones people shared the most and which ones really are resonating. And one of them was don't force group participation. I thought, oh, good, because that's something people don't really like to talk about. Everyone, It's easier if everybody does it. But that's an extremely powerful one. Um, so that if you're interested in that topic, anyone who's listening, it's... It, it's one to look into a little more because you want to be able to balance the needs of the individual child not to participate at that moment with the needs of the group, so not to interfere with what the group's doing. And once you get that balance, it works really wonderfully. Yeah, and the, and the upside the upside for us as the adults, giving giving kids those those bits of power, the power to go smash the watermelon or the power not to go to circle time, is that whatever that they are dealing with evaporates and our lives get easier when you force yeah when you force everybody to come to when you force everybody to come to circle time there's that 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 kid or two that are bouncing and touching and and driving you crazy when they get to stay in the block area everybody that wants to be in circle time enjoys circle time right yeah so by giving kids power you're actually reducing power struggles and sometimes if you find that you've fallen into a lot of power struggles with a child, or um, try giving them more power is the antidote, you know, g- giving them appropriate power. So if you find yourself getting in this locked situation, 
find another opportunity during the day where you can help them use their big muscles in some powerful action. Mm -hmm. It'll help you push a piece of climbing equipment to the other side of the room, invite them to be the one to help with their muscles. Or um, put some bubble wrap out. We talked about bubble wrap recently. Get some bubble wrap and see how powerful they can be jumping on it because that jumping action is powerful, the noise is powerful. So things that are big, things that are fast, things that are loud, these tend to be powerful actions. Um, so often you might want to have them be outside to do this or be in a room where it's fine to have big actions. So make sure that you're, is the space that you're welcoming kids into, is it going to welcome some degree of power? Or are you too worried about the delicate china objects you have on yeah. the yeah, I, I think another facet of this is to empower kids. A lot of times we have to be willing to let go of some of our power, um, and and that can that can be a tough thing. I I, I know caregivers. A, a lot of the presentations I do are about burnout, and I know caregivers that that get into the state of of stress and burnout, and they have they they feel very little control of their lives away from work, and so. At work, they've got this group of 8 or 10 or 12 little people that they have power and control over. And because they don't have any power and control in their lives other places, they, they really hold on to it in in their jobs. And that's... that's, that's I can be queen yeah, here. I yeah. can be completely in charge, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and even even as parents, we get into these power struggles with the kids. It's, I got to whisper. No, I don't have to whisper, but I'm going to for effect. Um, it's going on in my house right now. This morning, grandbaby had a had a little bit of a blow up with her mother apparently, and and she's she's five and a half, and and uh, and they had a little bit of a disagreement, and so Mama took away some privileges. I'm not exactly sure what's going on, and that kind of caused Rowan to kind of escalate a little bit, and they they've both been in this is in this dramatic power struggle this morning that I find amusing because I remember going the, through the same thing with with Zoe when she was little until I realized just in these situations one of the best things you can do is just take a breath and a couple steps back and 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 ask yourself why am I fighting with a four-year-old mm -hmm. and it's a hard it's a hard hard thing to do because so much of this so much of those, the, the struggles come with so much emotion sometimes that being able to take that breath and pull away from it and ask yourself what what's going on here is is a real it's a real right. challenge. And I think what you just mentioned in that example is the difference of say why am I fighting with a four-year-old? Um, fighting is such a different thing than setting a limit. So if you're fighting, you're actually emotionally engaged and you've kind of half lost it. Oh. And you may not even be yelling, but you're engaged with that child and yeah. you're fighting them, fighting their spirit, fighting their power against yours. And you can feel how different that is. Whereas if you're just being firm about a limit that you've set, um, we can bring back the watermelon if you like. Um, yes, you can throw the watermelon, but not in the living room. You know, <laughs> if you're enforcing a clear limit, that's different than being emotionally engaged and fighting. So a lot of watch if you find yourself locked with your kid about you know what they can and can't do, and you're you feel you're spiraling down. You may be in a fight rather than as the clear, mature adult setting a limit. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things we we do, one of the things we can do, to make 
those situations a little bit easier is to be aware of our buttons because, you know, I, I, I know people, and I had this experience too, working with other people's children is often a lot easier than your own because you don't have the strong, deep relationship. They don't know your buttons as well, those kids you work with. The ones you live with, who you brought into the world, sometimes they know exactly how to get under your skin in in those little power struggles. And, and just being aware of your own buttons makes it a little bit harder for those buttons to get pushed. And 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 that that just kind of can have a little bit of impact on the, the choices you make in those situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot of aspects of power. I mean, there's power in relationships, there's power in choices, whether to come to the group circle time or not. There's power in different kinds of play. There's a lot of different sorts of power. And I think we should touch on a couple other parts of power, such as, you know, kids when they're doing dress-up play, they almost, a lot of them, they, they gravitate towards powerful figures, you know, mm-hmm. taking on the role of somebody powerful, like being the bad guy. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. Or being a wild animal, lions and tigers and dinosaurs and dragons, and, or being, um, being mommy or daddy. Mm-hmm. Those are powerful roles. I mean, that's like the ultimate superhero, right? Yeah. Trying to, yeah, <laughs> trying exactly. to be a parent. <laughs> so when you're looking at kids doing some of that play or playing teacher, that's a form of them experimenting with power. They're, they're doing it in a role-playing version, but hardly ever do they. Sometimes they play baby. Uh-huh. Um, but babies can be pretty powerful. Baby, yeah, exactly. Family. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, if you're the boss of when mommy and daddy get to sleep and eat and go to the bathroom, that's a pretty powerful role. Pretty powerful role. But on the whole, kids will pick, you know, superhero-type powerful figures like mom, dad, teacher, lion, tiger, firefighter, all these sorts of police officer. now I can arrest you. There's a lot of power in those roles. Yeah, and that's when the where the superhero and the weapons play come in into place too. Now those are two things that get get banned if I mean discouraged in a lot of programs and banned in in way too many because the adults don't like the optics of them, but whether it's an imaginary lightsaber or or shotgun, the, those weapons are symbols of, of power and control. And so there's there's so much of that that dynamic yeah. going on in those kinds of play, whether it's Wonder Woman's bracelets or or or, or Batman's whatever Batman has. Um, and 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 so if we want to help kids learn about power, one of the things we can do is embrace those those kind of uh, shunned bits of play and, and the rough and tumble play as well. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think the topic of power is huge. And as you point out, it stretches into all kinds of topics that sometimes people don't like to uh, um, get into. So the, the war play, the weapon play, the superhero play, all those sorts of things, and, and the rough and tumble, because power is innately in all of them. Um, but you can find ways to give a kid power um, I mean, I'm, I'm all in favor of all those types of mm-hmm. play. But if you're in a, you know, a location or somebody's house or a certain program where you're not free to give all those kinds of play, well, at least find ways that you can give the kids power. So find ways to get those powerful instincts. Um, kids seek power. So give them chances to explore power in their play. And if they've got enough out of their system during the play, 
they're not going to seek it as much in other times. Uh, and I think another super important aspect we need to mention about power is kids honestly don't want to have all the power in the family or in the classroom. No, they, they need they need and want order and structure and. Yeah, they feel safer if you are in charge. They do want power in their play and power to to follow their own ideas and follow their creative ideas and have room to move their bodies powerfully and all that kind of power. That's what I would call appropriate power for kids. But deciding what you're going to eat for dinner or deciding what rules are going to be in the house or deciding all these big things, uh, no, they want structure. They want you to be in charge. So you've, you've got to think about power in many different minds. Yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of layers there. Life. And so, as as we're we're drawing to the close here, I wanna I wanna throw one of those other power things out to you, and and I'd, I'd, I'm real interested in hearing what you think about this. I I see this struggle go on, that that we as the adults find ourselves trying to be the boss of the emotions children are experiencing. Stop that crying, those kind of things, and the off switch. Yeah, yeah, I I. I mean, shouldn't we find ways to help them be powerful in their emotions and and be the boss of those emotions and and I, I don't know. I think we maybe we as adults have a hard time enough of a hard time managing and naming our own emotions that it's just uncomfortable. And so we just want to shut it off when it comes to kids. But, you know, if you need to cry, you, you gotta, you, having an adult yell at you to stop it isn't the most productive way to get it to stop. <laughs> right. So power, I, I, I think it's interesting. I, I wouldn't say that kids need to be boss of their emotions or, or overcome overcome or overpower them. Really, big feelings overpower the kids, not the other way around. Um, sometimes the intensity of the child's emotion can overcome us. Mm -hmm. But often the child is in the throes of some huge emotion and they're feeling out of control and scared and overpowered by this big, big feeling. So yeah, we need to let them, um, we need to support them and give them tools for coping with those feelings. I don't know if if kids are actually going to become the powerful boss over their feelings. But I think they will learn how to cope with them when they come and when they do feel overpowered, that they have some tools to get themselves um, through that emotion and back into a more sane footing with, with help from adults guiding them. So when when a child is angry or sad or or upset about something, is it is it productive to tell them to stop that feeling and 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 move on or I, I guess the power I'm talking about is the power to you know be the decider of what your your emotions are in the moment now you gotta you, I mean we can't have the meltdown in the middle of the grocery store those kind of things but I, I don't think I should be deciding what somebody else is feeling I guess is yes well is this a rhetorical question well no I I, I <laughs> So of course we can't, we can't we can't decide how someone feels. And and, and we agree with me that sometimes adults try to do that. Uh, most of the time. We yeah. Do that, yes. Of each other as well, not just. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we want everybody to be happy. And happy and. The way we do. Yeah. 
And so I guess what I'm just getting at is that, that I mean, people have emotions and, and w when we're trying to be the boss and take, take the power away from them to, to have what they're having, it, it ends up with nothing but, but struggle, whether you're dealing with a two-year-old or, or your, your spouse, I guess. Um, it's a little bit like trying to change the weather. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's trying to make trying to make the hurricane go the other direction. You just can't yeah. you can't Sometimes do it. Sometimes the storm moves through emotionally. Sometimes you just got to put up the emotional uh, plywood over your windows and 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 ride out the storm. Well, sometimes it takes some time and it can be loud and messy and flood things a little bit. Um so if that's all if if a hurricane's moving through in the grocery store, in, in the form of an emotional child, then you may not be able to stop it even if you don't say stop it, even if you're you know, empathizing and doing all these good things. I would just move the child outside into some empty hallway or outdoors and um, let it ride through a little bit because sometimes you can't stop it and you can't um, uh, help them work through their emotions quietly. So Sometimes you just got to lash yourself to a light pole. A and. <laughs> yeah, lash yourself to the telephone pole nearby and ride it, ride it out. Hey, anything else on this before we wrap it up? Uh, no, except, well, yeah, yesterday I had one of these storms come through my family. Oh, yeah? And, um, well, we, we had to get blood drawn for the first time. Hmm. And um, from, the, from my little guy's arm, and this was a totally new thing. You know, he's dealt with shots, and, of course, those are owies, and he didn't want one. But the idea of blood coming out was even worse. <laughs> and so um, we went out into the hallway so that he could be sad and scared and all those emotions. And we were working through it just fine. I mean, he didn't think so, but yeah, I, I was yeah. competent. <laughs> I was holding him, and, and I was um, helping him with his feelings. And But people kept popping out of all the medical offices trying to help, and it was just interesting how people try to help. You know, here's a stuffed animal. Oh, you can have it. Here, make this go away. It's just all these sorts of well-meaning help, and I was thinking, you're so sweet, and you're so kind, and maybe the stuffed animal will help. We had one in the car we could have gone <laughs> to get. <laughs> Unprepared. <laughs> but, but at the same time, I felt as if all the well-meaning help had actually diminished his ability to feel powerful by being resilient, that, yeah, this was tough, he was scared, he was sad, but he could he could move through it. Uh -huh. He didn't need quite as many crutches and well-meaning comments to get him through it. So, he you know, that's just something to think about. How much help do we need to give kids? They can do it. I trust them. They are powerful kids. They can cope with powerful emotions. And I don't think we need to, you know, coddle them too much, but we we need to be there for those emotions and help them realize that they can get through this. Whether it's smashing a uh, a watermelon in the compost pile or 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 spending... that might have helped if I'd had a watermelon. Yeah, you just you just gotta always carry a water an emergency watermelon in like in like an acrylic case and you. Oh, so on that note, always carry a watermelon. Always carry. I think that's the takeaway from the episode. Oh, Heather, it's so much fun. I enjoy these conversations with you. Hope you do too, listeners. You must because you keep tuning in, and we really appreciate it. We love you sharing the show and uh, and hope you keep it up. Come and see us both online. We're on the Facebook and we're on the Winter Webs. You know where to find us. And we'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks a lot, and bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. 
We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.